everybody welcome to episode number nine of the nfp podcast presented by 3d entertainment the nfp podcast is brought to you by sneaky weasel lager and hey y'all southern iced tea the official alcohol sponsor of the show what's up everybody we're back it's been a week lots of topics a lot on the go start by introducing my co-host today mr jason davidson jason how is it not bad there tanner burn how are you doing man I'm good, man. Trying to trying to stay warm. Uh, same as you. We Isn't that the truth? Whew. Hit a cold it streak. It is brisk. Yep. You certainly would not want to be putting your tongue on the flagpole today. <laughs> That's no shit. Over we the last got, four days. It takes a lot for uh, uh, schools and businesses to shut down in uh, northern Saskatchewan, especially after everything's been fucking shut down because mm-hmm. of COVID. And it's minus 46 or something here with uh, with the wind chill. So Everything is shut down. Everybody's in their houses, listening to the houses crack and bang and settle. With yeah, the isn't that crazy the weather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Son, what was that? I'm just, uh, not much. Just, just Mother Nature. Let <laughs> us know that we are her bitch. Yeah, that's no shit. <laughs> but yeah, so we uh, we finished up last weekend. Uh, the PBR was in Arcadia, Florida. Uh, a lot of a lot of news, a lot of drama there. Well, speaking of warming up, your Twitter was hot, hot, hot. What was going on there? <laughs> oh man, well you know how it is. I'm a uh, I'm a bull rider, right? Uh, originally, now I'm fighting bulls, and uh, I couldn't keep up with what was happening this weekend. So I was I was trying to just uh, be a representation, maybe for the fans or for other people that were trying to figure mm-hmm. out what was going on, because I knew if I didn't understand what was going on, um, nobody else was going to probably understand what was going on. Well, I'm not going to lie. I've got a couple lines on the red phone here that I can usually reach out on. And and there was a lot of uh, real uncertainty with what was going on. Um, But anyway, um, I think it's all sorted out now. I see we're going back to some of the same rules as and points and whatnot from last season. Uh, So I think it it should work in the rider's benefit. Um, Like you said, on one of the previous pods, you know, this sport is the only one that re, you know, punishes you for being good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, for those that don't really know what was going on, the, the riders and, and the, the high ups of PBR, obviously, um, we're in disagreement about the way that the point system was working and it's all kept very under wraps and everybody's really scared to talk about, but I mean, fuck that's, that's big news. Any other sport you'd have reporters and everybody and, and well, there'd be a lockout. There'd yeah. Be a lockout well, if yeah. We're yeah. talking about hockey, right? So, yeah. you know, when we, we have concerns with our players. We don't even, we don't go to the league. We go yeah. to the NHL players association, you know, yeah. Yeah, I have a handful of of people in that office in Toronto that you know, depending on what what the situation is, is who you call or text or email, right? So um, we have that at disposal at our disposal. We that's just something I don't take it for granted. But you know, comparing the two, yeah, we do take it for granted because we have those resources, um, and a lot of these these guys don't. They have agents. 
but the agents got no say, you know, they don't have any say in what goes on with the, the day-to-day operations in the PBR office. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm glad they, they figured it out though. And, uh, yeah. um, a lot of people probably wouldn't even realize that anything went down. So, yeah, exactly. That's kind of, uh, that's kind of, you know, the, for me, the, the frustration that I had wasn't necessarily the point system in itself. The frustration I had was for the guys, man, I've been in that locker room. I know how, how those meetings go between the high ups and the riders. And the one thing that's, that's, that's gone away that needs to come back is, is what the sport was originally made for. It was, it was made for the bull riders, you know, and um, you, you look back on, on the guys that, that started it. If they showed up every weekend and they had somebody or, or a group telling them how to act, what they're supposed to do, and just really just bad babying them. There's no fucking way that they would stand for it. They would do what they did in the first place and start their own association. You know what I mean? So yeah, for, the, yeah, for, the, yeah. for the guys, um, I'm, I'm, I feel for them. And it's good to see that they're, they're standing up for themselves. It's got to get back to, to, to those guys, to the riders, to the to players. Your most important aspect of the sport, your athletes need to be taken care of, need to be front and center of, of decisions and what's yeah, happening. Yeah. And there's not, there's always times when uh, I've been in those meetings as well, when you'll be trying to get a point across and somebody will fucking put their hand up and say something stupid. And then instantly they just, they just throw every opinion away that the riders have. Right. And it's a long old story. It, it dates back a long time, but, but you know, you, you, you talk about the players association, you talk about the unions and um, it's not about these guys making more money. It's not a bunch of spoiled athletes that are wanting more money they're, they're We don't make a bunch of money riding bulls. We make good money. If, if you're doing really good at it, that's not what this is. It's, it's wanting transparency. It's wanting communication. It's wanting not to, to just be told where, when, how to do it, show up every weekend with no rule changes. Don't know what's happening when it's happening and just supposed to, ex, you know, expect to just follow everything and just stand in your lane and not say a word about it. So, um, what happened, I think, um, as the outside guy looking in, they changed the point system for the, I don't know, the fifth or sixth time. Could you imagine the, the NHL every five or six or three or four seasons changing the way that you win a game? Could you imagine what those hockey players would well, say? Well, I know how much del- deliberation went into changing the, uh, the divisions due to COVID. We had, you know, you can't cross the border. So that wasn't an easy decision, yeah. you know, yeah. and it was the only decision that they could make basically, you know, yeah. but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't just done like that. It wasn't, it, it took a lot of, uh, they don't like change. It's no different than the stickers on the helmets, um, sponsor tickets on stickers on the player's helmets. That, that, that was just not Gary Bettman's, style he just doesn't want that but um hey we're in a different world today yeah definitely but you know what Tanner? you know as you saying that we're we're in a bit of a unique situation here in canada um did you attend the rider meeting last year like at, or not been two years ago at the 19 finals yeah in saskatoon yeah yep and uh that's something i wanted to do and i think we sat down for a couple hours there you know the 20 the top guys everybody showed up um which was great and we just discussed stuff. Like I wanted to hear what they had to say and what they thought of these formats, these ideas. You know, we were talking about bringing in a second tiered uh, level of competition 
And, you know, Parsonage made it clear. And, and so did most of the majority of the guys. We're not looking for more events to go to. We're looking for better events. Well, that was an easy decision. I squashed the whole plan on, on that second tier right yep. then. You know, yep. it would, didn't make sense to these guys. Who's it going to make sense to? Because these are the guys I'm trying to appease and, and make happy, um, which I think for the first time in the last decade and a half, for sure, we actually have bull riders on our side. Yeah. We are here in Canada. Fuck no yeah. Question. Transparency. You know, I think talking we, we to them. in the right position. Yeah. yeah you got the, the yeah. people in Canada the right way. hundred percent. And don't get me wrong on this. I am not shit talking um, the PBR or anything in such matter. I have the utmost respect. I'm, I'm talking as a fan just from the outside looking in. Right. I, I love, I owe my career, everything to the PBR and there's, there's no other way and path that I would want to go and still no path that I'd want to be in. Um, there's just, it's, it, it has to evolve. The sport has to evolve. Things have to get better. They have to get better for, for the riders. And I understand it's a tough year and it's a crazy time, but you know, when, when shit builds up, this is what happens. You get pushback oh, yeah. from, from your guys. Well, and we discussed this uh, on the previous pod and, and, you know, to, to just think of it as a knee jerk reaction, I thought, yeah, you know what championship round each day as a promoter producer, like, yeah, no brainer, but you, all you got to do is just take your perspective and, and yeah. Oh yeah. That's great. We got to get on another one of the rankest bulls in the world, you yeah. know, and that, yeah. and that just makes it make sense. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's, you know, that's the thing. And there's so many different opinions on it. And as you said, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one of them. Um, but, you know, just sitting and, hey, thinking that, and just watching. God bless. God bless her. That was my mom's line. That's, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I miss her lover. But yeah, that was her line. You yeah. know what they say, Jace. Yeah. Everybody has an opinion. They're just like assholes. <laughs> Everybody has one. Yeah, that is a good one. But yeah, like it's just uh, there's there's a lot of things that 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 guys want and and um and in reality of it if you if you have your your players association or your union you can take that to it and and it'll actually actually get somewhere you know and a lot of times when when uh guys who are are and fearful of their jobs or fearful of being kicked out of the PBR or all the rumors that go along with standing up for yourself nowadays um you know, nobody says anything or it gets pushed off to the side and it's not talked about anymore. It's, it's ran, it's really ran under a dictatorship and it's, it's not, it's not, um, there's no community or communication between the, the guys and, and the high ups. And I think that that's all they really want. The point system, if they probably would have brought that to them in the first place, it probably would have been fine. They would have been like, yeah, okay, you know, thanks for, for talking with us, but just shoving it down their throats. You're going to piss guys off, especially egotistical professional athletes, you know? And, and I think that's right. That's what happened there, but but they're working e now e at least, and they're, they're e going to statistical professional bull riders. That's <laughs> even another level from a professional athlete. Yeah, exactly. So no, I think that uh, they're they're they they got her you know back to the the twenty twenty system now. So for those that didn't watch on the weekend, the weekend started out as a long round and a short round. Both days, the person with the highest world points between those two events became the the champion of the whole weekend yeah. yeah that's how it went down i guess there was a there was a meeting early on um friday morning the guys didn't want to do that they weren't having that so they switched everything up changed the system around where as you've seen this weekend kaiki pacheco was the champion and 
that was from the long round on the first day, the long round on the second day, and the short round. So it was the old system where it was all in the average on points, um, which is great. But the same thing as a fan watching it, it was fucking mind blowing because nobody talked about it. Nothing was brought up of, of what was happening. Everybody, everybody just pretended like nothing was happening, you know, and it was it was very hard to follow. But uh, they got through it and, and hopefully yeah. now it's onward and upward We're from here on, on. in. Yeah. On. yeah, that's good. But as nothing you can see, see here, see here. <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. <laughs> But there we go. Uh, past my rant for the day. All in good fun. Um, Kaiki Pacheco, as I said, champion of the event. That was my sleeper pick. Should have fucking stuck with him. Uh, Should have went with your gut, man. Uh, I know. Uh, he's going to do her, man. He's going to, I think he might do her. But um, yeah, rode really well. Um, rode uh, Bill the Butcher as an airtime son in the short round. He was the only guy to ride uh, three of his bulls. So really, really showed up and stepped out. Zero time of Paradigm Bull Company came out uh, with the top bull honors. One thing I wanted to touch on with the bulls, the Canadian bulls, J.W. Hart was there uh, again. And actually, uh, Jeremy Walker, Paradigm Bull Company, looks like he acquired or I don't know how it's working, but he's got um, some of Flying High. He's got some of Lauren High's bulls down yeah. there. There's yeah, those bulls fired, eh? Oh, yeah. Bucked, man. Bucked. And same as uh, the bulls that came from Nance and Vold there that J.W.'s got too. He had... Um, What's the good one that was in the, the, the short round? Mist, Canadian Mist. Uh, Canadian Mist was really good again. Oz was good. Oh, um, yeah. Vertigo? Um, no. Vertigo no, there? No, no, it wasn't him. I can't remember. I'm blanking on it now. But yeah, he was in the short round. They were 90 on him. Or in the 12 round, they were 90 on him. And then he threw a guy off in the, in the short round. So Canadian Bulls are looking good, man. Um, Canada. Uh, also, Marcelo Periva, once again, probably butchered the fucking shit out of that one, yeah. but he All won. Stafford right there. All I went, Stafford at it. Went for it. Went for it. He won the Greenville Velocity Tour event. A uh, young guy by the name of Colton Fritzlin, if you watched the NFR last year, mm-hmm. took the average. Really, really, really good bull rider. Really good hand. This was his first uh, PBR event, and he ended up second at the event. So I think there's only... There's nothing but up for him here here in the ne- in the near future. So keep an eye on Colton Fritzlin. He looks really, really hot. And our boy Logan Beaver finishes. Yes. Top ten, 10 again. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of him. I love that. I love him. We should have a half a dozen guys down there right now. Unfortunately, we have one. So yep. um, if he's not careful, he might not get home, according to the news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's but you know, that's the thing. There's lots of guys that would be going, but it's so yeah, uncertain right now nobody has a fucking and i liked if you watched last week and then you watched this week they were the announcers they were really um really putting it forward that oh we have a canadian here he went through all the protocols he did the two-week quarantine all the, they were like really overdoing yeah. it so there must have been something from high up that told them to say that from the weekend before <laughs> yeah make uh, sure yeah exactly so, yeah but yeah it's good to see him he's doing good i don't know uh i haven't looked at the schedule ahead of where the the velocities are at next but by the looks of it logan's going all in so that's really good to see good for him yeah also better get him we better get him you better get him signed up get somebody paying his way get somebody paying him should be uh the first guatemalan ever to ride on a premier series event rodrigo melgar nice again Good yeah, work. Uh, you really like got that. this. Yeah. You've been yeah. practicing these names? Google Translate? 
<laughs> no, just winging it, just winging it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's pretty cool to see that you know it's not just the the five countries that are that are represented. We have Guatemala, you know, yeah. we have uh, we have a guy in Paraguay from Paraguay that rides up here in Canada, Fabian Duick, and yeah, uh, you know, it's it's growing and going worldwide. Fabian was the he won the finals one year here in Saskatoon. Really? Yeah. He oh, was the sure. finals champion. Yeah. I think he split it with Zane one year, actually. Nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can see. count on Fabian. Like you can't you can't count Fabian out. Like he he's a guy that you see in the championship round. And you know, um, I actually send a bunch of caps with them and some gloves. He went down to Paraguay a couple of years ago to put on a bull riding school and he asked if I would help out with some stuff. I said, hundred uh, percent. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a solid guy. I have lots of time for Fabian. He's brought a few, uh, a few other guys back from Paraguay as well that yeah. have, that have been going yeah. a little bit. So yeah, he's yeah. good. He's good for the sport. That's for sure. Good guy too. Good guy all around. Uh, well, let's get into the ad read. Let's do it. Let's roll. Uh, Hey, y'all, Southern Iced Tea. Hey, y'all, Southern Iced Teas. Our tea is always served iced and hard. This vodka-based iced tea is brewed with genuine black tea and lightly sweetened. Enjoy a Hey, y'all, Southern Iced Tea while taking in the main bull riding event or sipping a cold one on the porch. Hey, y'all, Southern Iced Teas, the official refreshment beverage of the NFB podcast. Cheers. Are good. Cheers. More cheers. More beers. Let's do it. I'm still waiting for you to shit mine down. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've been hogging it. It's too good. It's too good to share. That's <laughs> uh, good. In other sports, uh, Tom Brady back to the Super Bowl. Wow, that guy Don't is bet against that guy. Him no, drunk man. I well, I'm obviously cheering for him now. You, you oh yeah, fuck. You have cheer, to, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. yeah. I think the viewership will be. You know, you got your. You know, NFL's obviously got a, a heck of a uh, a broad base of viewers, but I think I bet you this year's Super Bowl will be one for the records with Brady. Oh in there yeah, drunk. yeah, Unreal. yeah, yeah. So everybody knows what he did, but that is yeah, that is super cool. And speaking of Tom Brady, and everybody wants to to call him the goat. Uh, we are fortunate enough to be joined by, in our opinion, my opinion, the goat of of Vorad. I'll argue it all day long with anybody. He is the goat. Yeah, our guest today, JB Mooney. That is, uh, that's going to be a fun one. Who knows what what he's going to have to say? We'll have to ask him what he thinks about the whole point system in the PBR right now. I'm sure he's right in the middle of it. He probably won't want to talk about it. But <laughs> one thing about it, he's not going to sugarcoat it. Exactly. It'll be in, it'll be in JB's words. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, so. Um, Super excited to have him, our first world champion. No, we've had the rights. That's not fucking true. My yeah, bad. But yeah. first bull riding world. No, fuck Stetson's a bull riding world champion too. Oh god. First PBR world champion. There it is. That's what we're going for. Yeah. But yeah, I've go. I've had the utmost respect for him uh throughout his whole career. Also my whole career, right? He was he was there before I got there. He's there long yeah. after I'm gone, but just a legend, just no fucks given, doesn't change anything for anybody it's going to be a fun interview well he uh you know what i love about jb he's the same jb i met 15 years ago as he is today you know nothing he's he's just jb yeah he's nothing's went to his head 
you know, from the first time I met him, he wanted to win first. He still wants to win first and he's going to pick whatever bull he can ride to win first on. And that's yeah. just how he goes at it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Your chair is still fucking squeaking, by the way. You every, like that? Every episode. <laughs> well, I got I don't want you falling asleep. No, oh, exactly. Yeah. It keeps, right? keeps people engaged. Yeah. 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 It's One, tough times, man, in this COVID. I can't afford any oil. 100%. What are you supposed Plus, to do? I'm trying to be environmentally friendly like the Easterners, you know, all these climate guys. So I'm just trying to, you know, I'm going to wear a toque around the house because, you know, we heat these bastards on fairy dust and unicorn piss. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'll have to talk to my brother-in-law, Dean, and see if he can get, he's in the old business there. And get his opinion. We'll, yeah, we'll get, we'll get them to send over a can of wd-40 maybe they got some in the budget but i yeah. don't spare some for us one yeah. video one video i'll i do have to uh share that's one thing also we have our, our nfp we have our instagram page we now have twitter and we now have a facebook page so if you're following on on uh, social media go give us a follow there for all the updates and news of our podcasts and all the stuff that we got going on in FP, but I better make sure I'm following even. Yeah, you fucking better. Come on. So well, I, I, yeah, I just need the heads up. Yep. No, now you know. Okay. Now we're good. I'll, uh, I think I'm on, I know I'm on the Instagram. I got yep. that handled. Um, I think I saw Twitter, so I'm probably following there, but I'm not sure I saw on Facebook, but I'll get yep. on it. That one's new. That one's new. So I'll put the videos, but since we have JB on today, one time in uh, Springfield, me and JB were doing uh, promotional work for the event and they ran a, a mini bull in to like show the news reporters uh, what, what bulls were and shoot procedure and all that stuff. And JB's like, fucking let's buck this thing. Will you get on it? And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. It was like five in the morning, five in the morning. And we had a full crew that was there and they were all, they, they didn't expect the shoot gate to open or anything to happen. They were all just sitting there waiting for us to, do our interview so he flanks it i get on with a flank rope and crack the gate and i ride this fucking <laughs> mini ball around the arena <laughs> and the tv cameras are all on us it's all over the news and jb's being the bullfighter and this fucking mini bull's got him on the fence and there's a big the dirt and the panels weren't even hardly in yet so there's a big pile of dirt out in the middle of the arena and this little mini bull goes right to the dirt pile and starts just spinning and hooking the dirt and just, i have to oh yeah that's a good video We'll oh, put yeah, it I on. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, we'll put it on there. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hockey. We like to talk about that. How's everything going for your guys? How is uh, how's the season going? Everybody still healthy? Still rolling? Yeah, good. Uh, Adam Brooks got into his first game in like 350 days with the Leafs the other night. Got uh, got a goal, so that was yes. great. Yes, good for him. Where's he from? Um, Where's he from? He's from Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Manitoba. He was a Regina Pat, WHL Player of the Year. Yep. Um, good story. You know, he was a kid that was very highly touted as a youngster and yep. went went early in the WHL draft and then kind of had a tough go as a 16 and 17-year-old and was basically ignored by his agent. And uh, he gave me a call in his 18-year-old year, year and, and I started representing him. And... Uh, Things started clicking for him at 18 and then 19 at 20. He led you know, 250 points in two yep. seasons and drafted as a 20 year old to Toronto. So never give up, you know, never give up. So he's, uh, he's done well. Um, good to see our, this Canadian division. I am enjoying it. I think we're starting to see those rivalries already, oh, you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, Montreal, I think I said it, I, I called it like 
sitting second right now um, in the National Hockey League behind Vegas. So yeah. have they lost? Uh, I really think uh, that uh, have they lost? I don't think I so. Don't know. No, they're still rolling. Yeah, no, they haven't. They've had two ties. Yep. Um, in six games, so um, they, that one-two punch on the back end and net with Price and Allen is is going to prove to be a, a real good move that Bergeron made in that offseason. I really think that. Yeah, that's badass. I seen some of your young guys, uh, Nolan Allen, and uh, I don't know if there was any more of them, but they oh, were yeah. named Drew Inglot. Yeah, top yeah. Uh, top prospects coming up. Yeah, out of the Western League. So, um, yeah, I talk to those kids once a week. They're just wanting to, have you heard anything? And I'm like, no, I haven't yeah. heard anything either, guys. But they're trying. So we'll see what happens here. Yep, that's good. What about Bear? They got him rolling still? Has he been sat or is he still playing? No, he's playing. He's where he's <laughs> supposed to be on the that's blue right. line. Yeah. You know, actually yeah. him and Nurse right now uh, analytically are uh, – are up there is the top pairing in the National Hockey League right now at plus seven. Oh, badass. Plus minus. So, yeah. Um, I don't think we'll see that happen again. But yeah. No, knock on good. wood here, but uh, uh, they're matched up. I think they're in uh, Winnipeg tonight. We're Tuesday today, right? Yeah, this is Tuesday. Yep. Tuesday? The yep. what? 20 what? Sixth, twenty sixth. Yeah, wow. this will come out. The, this will come out the twenty eighth. This will be out Thursday. The twenty eighth. This is our ninth. Is this our ninth podcast? You said. Yeah, bro. Rolling nine. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Been been getting good. Uh, you know, people have been enjoying it. It's good to hear the feedback and everybody reaching out. So. Yeah, it's good. yeah. I always have to ask you because I don't know even where you see all that stuff. I'm not that techie, but you've been doing a good job on it. So the fans are uh, enjoying what we're given. Yeah. Yep. No, that's good. And we obviously we like to hear the feedback, good or bad. So everybody you reach out, let us know what you want to hear, well, who you want to hear from. We've had some pretty awesome guests. It's pretty easy to to yeah. get some likes when you got guys like Yates and Wing and yeah. Killer Kaminsky and whatnot, right? The heaters. This yeah. one should be all right. This one should be all right. Yeah. Oh man, JB doesn't hold nothing back. So I can't wait to to get an interview with him and see what he has to say, how much longer he's gonna go and some wild stories. I don't think he's he shared a lot of his career in different podcasts, but I don't think he's ever shared any of his real wild stories from his younger days or, or the, all the fun stuff that, that we like to talk about. So yeah, hopefully we get some of that out of him. We'll see. <laughs> well, I uh, I think you'll we will ask him some of the business side and talk about endorsements and whatnot because uh, JB's give a shit meter on what people think. You know, he has a different idea. Uh, about who JB is and no one knows JB better than JB. So yeah. you either like me or you don't, and it's not going to matter to him because yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, we le- yeah, I think we'll learn something from him for sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one more thing I did want to touch on uh, speaking of, of hockey, the, the good deeds cup is happening right now where youth individuals or teams in their communities normally they they give out the award for for the team that that has done a good deed or is doing good deed within their community this year with covid it's a little bit different as as you can't get get out and about or or do what you want to do so this year the good deeds cup uh presented by chevrolet is is being ran through social media and through twitter and the teams have to submit a video of what they plan to do as a good deed once once we're allowed to 
to get back into society and be normal again. So uh, the Merritt Centennials, the under 13 crew, uh, if you go on their Twitter, you'll see they, they've, uh, they've put up their video. Their submission is, is in now, and it's all on uh, brain awareness, concussion awareness, uh, mental health, and, and support of the Thai Pazibon Foundation. So it's a really cool video. It's, it's really amazing to see the, the community of Merritt in a whole, how much, yeah. they, how much they respected Ty and still respect Ty. And uh, it really shows the person that he was when, when that community shows their, the appreciation that they have for him. Yeah, ironically, actually, Ethan Bear is an ambassador for the Chevy Good Deeds Cup this year, too. So I, I wish I could get some insider info and push him on the merit stuff, but he doesn't get a say. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. just, he's just a spokesperson. Exactly, so. yeah. But yeah, everybody follow along on that and, uh, you know, go ahead and share that video around and we'll try to get it as big as it as it can be for, for that community, for merit. And um, there's a couple different levels that it goes through. So yeah, go give them a follow and, and you can keep up to date with voting and all that sort of stuff that goes along with it. It's much appreciated by, by everybody involved and as well. We're recording this on Tuesday, but today that it comes out is Thursday, January 2018th, which is Bell Let's Talk Day. Um, a big day for, for everybody in, you know, that, that deals with mental health, which in my opinion is everybody in this world at some point or another, you're mm-hmm. going to deal with some sort of mental health. So uh, Bell Let's Talk, Bell, you know, donates a portion of, of the funds for every retweet and share through social media. And it's really blown up into a really big thing where they've raised millions of dollars for, for mental health uh, advocacy groups and um that's something that obviously hits deep with us, with Jason, with, with, with Ty and, and um, you know, the, the community. And, and like I said, it's, it's not just because of situations that happen. Everybody at some point in their life deals with mental health and um, you know, you're, you have good days and you have bad days. So it, it's something that needs to be talked about and obviously put to the forefront that, uh, that if you need help, don't be afraid to, to reach out and ask for it. Yeah, well, I've made a living dealing with bull riders, so I've I've needed help right from day one, Tanner. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay, let's have some fun. Speaking of bull riders and dealing with bull riders, this guy has probably been the hardest one to deal with for for the association, for fans, for bulls, for everybody. Man, this guy is the living legend, uh, the best that there's there's ever been. In, in my opinion, and I hope you guys enjoy this interview with J.B. Mooney. I was born in the wild, raised in a cave, riding spinning bulls is all I crave. Busting out windows, tearing down doors, taking out virgins, bringing back horse. Daddy was hung as a horse thief, my mom was burned as a witch. I got 14 sisters working a whorehouse, and me, I'm a bull riding son of a bitch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is a two-time champion of the world. He needs no introduction. The greatest bull rider I've got to watch in person ever. Over $7 million in earnings alone. The richest man in Western sports history. An all-around badass, Mr. J.B. Mooney. J.B., what's up? What's up? How you doing, man? Sitting down here enjoying this 80-degree Florida weather. Here in Florida. Almost. Almost like our weather, eh, Tanner? Yeah, yeah, it's fucking minus forty-two. <laughs> minus forty-two here this morning. Yeah, it's it's about probably it's probably eighty-two right now here. Nice. I, I got a question after that intro uh, there, Mister James Burton. 
7.3 million. Uh, is there 7.3 million in your checking account right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they forgot to pay me somewhere. <laughs> still owed. You're still owed on that. So what's up? You're just hanging out down in Florida between events. You guys were in uh, Arcadia last weekend, Okeechobee this weekend. A little bit of a different scenario for the bull riding world this year. How's that kind of shooting you? I see you got your uh, your motor home and just fucking taking her easy, so it can't be too bad. Not Madison Square Garden, but. Nah, that's what it was. It's about 18 hours over here from I moved to Stephen Bell, bought a place there. So instead of driving back and forth or flying, we just loaded it up and headed over here and we're Hanging out during this week. Fucking hey. Living the bull riding life. Actually, living the old rodeo life. Yeah, that's it. there you go. Like it. you that's said, it. no Madison Square Gardens and no hotel rooms. It's RVing and miles. Well, that's it. Back to the road, warrior. Back to the roots. Well, let's get right into it. I want to, off the hop, obviously, we want to talk about, uh, you know, your career and all that stuff. And uh, let's get right to it about kind of the beginning of it. So, you're from North Carolina, born and raised originally. Obviously, you moved out to, to Texas. But as a kid from North Carolina, uh, how did you get into riding bulls? Uh, obviously, an all-around hand, rodeoed, and, and did all the events. When did bull riding come about, and was that something that your parents instilled in you, or your second generation, or how did your, how'd your career get going? Well, my my dad, of course, you know my dad. And yes, he's, not a, he's not a small feller. So. <laughs> He's still a bulldog in type. Yeah, that's what that's what he bulldog. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, yeah. He, he bulldog and just you know the kind of amateur rodeos around North Carolina, South Carolina on the East Coast over there. And well, I think I was three when they started letting me. I was riding sheep and kept moving up. When I got into high school, I rode rode bareback horses. Tried to steer wrestle a little bit. I'm not quite built for that and. uh <laughs> I think I was about, I think it was 16 or 17. I decided bull riding was the way I was going, and that's all I wanted to do. So I quit high school rodeo and started going to open rodeos, amateur bull riding, things like that. And Jerome Davis, he lived right pretty close to us. So me and Brian Canner, we started traveling together, and when it was time to figure out which way we were going to go before we turned 18, I asked Jerome what he think, you know, what his thoughts and he said you want to make a living riding bulls i said yes sir he said go to pbr so that's the way we went never looked back oh shit and good decision good yeah. career move there jb yeah not bad not bad so before that you uh you know it's been known that you worked at work different jobs you worked at a ball bearing plant you worked at mcdonald's you fucking not afraid to to work right yeah that that I had all kinds of jobs. I worked landscaping. I worked for people that had horses, being their barn bitch. And uh, <laughs> when I was 18, I lacerated, I lacerated my liver, and I had to get a – I was working at a ball-bearing plant. I was inside all day long covering grease and oil, and that was pretty much the turning point of the bull riding career. Uh, after about two weeks of that, they asked me, they said, how do you like that job? I said, I know one thing. When I go back to riding bulls, they're going to have hell throwing me off. Yeah, no shit. And <laughs> I, I just I couldn't take it anymore. And I, I was actually, once I got into my the first televised event, PBR, built for tough then, it was in Portland, Oregon. I was still working at the ball bearing plant. No shit. 
But Monday yeah. morning you weren't though, all right? Didn't you win? Well, uh, yeah. You went about sixteen thousand. I actually went back. Did you? Went right back home. Went back to work. Because uh, I got in, I got in there as an alternate, so I wasn't on tour every weekend. Right. And so that summer rolled around, and I was going to a bunch of PBRs, and I actually went to Tufts Bull riding the CBR in Fort Worth, and I won it and won like twenty some thousand. And the next phone call I made the next morning was I was not returning to the ball wearing class. <laughs> <You're not heading laughs> hey, was that when was that when you went back to uh, when you went you flew back into your airport and your teacher was there and you had had that big check and you walked up here? What was that one? That that was a couple years later. Uh, we were at the I went to the they called it the Copenhagen finals in. It was like, you know, the velocity finals now. And I ended up winning I think like 200 i had a check in my pocket for 200,000 and i was standing at baggage claim waiting on my bag to come around and look over and this teacher that well not not very many teachers like me in school but she i think disliked me more than others and <laughs> she was standing there and she looked she's like jb i said yes ma'am and she said oh what are you doing i said i'm flying back home she said, wait where you been i said bull riding Oh, you're still doing that sort of thing. I said, Yeah. She said, How's that going? Kind of smart ass. And I said, Well, I reached in my pocket and I said, That's what I won this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, Yeah, see you later. That's funny. So then when you get, when you, you know, you, you weren't like the guy that rodeoed for a while and then got on the PBR, you went straight to the PBR off the hop, right? And, when, when you got on tour, you obviously came in with the attitude. And I always remember the story of those guys. They knew you were going to be a superstar, but they were trying to like mold you into acting a certain way. And, and you're always smoking cigarettes and partying and fucking having a great time. And uh, I remember the story about some of them, they were telling you about, you got to quit those cigarettes if you want that, that sponsorship. And what is, how'd that one go? Well, J.W. Hart, he was like the captain of the enterprise team when, Enterprise was sponsoring all those guys. Canner, he got a sponsorship through them. And it was my first finals, and I was sitting back there, and JW said, hey, I've talked to Enterprise, and I think I can get you a good sponsorship with them. I was like, all right, cool. He said, but you got to quit, you know, smoking and stuff. I said, well, guess I'll hold out for Marlboro then. (laughs) I walked off, and that was the end of that conversation. Needless to say, I never got a sponsorship from Enterprise. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's shit. What was no, your first you were, one? Uh, Copen- oh, okay, go ahead on the first one. I was, Copenhagen. was Copenhagen the first one, or when did you start getting cut? Oh, it was? Yeah, Copenhagen was the first real sponsor. Uh, that kind of come about. I was sitting in the locker room in New York one year, and I had a cigarette hanging out of my mouth in the locker room, and I was doing something, and Randy Vaughn Chico walked up to me and tapped on me. I knew who he was, and he handed me his card, and he said, hey, Give me a call. We want to talk about sponsorships. I was like, hey. He said, yeah. And I held that cigarette up. And he goes, we can work around it. I said, all right. All of that's out there on the table. Deal. Yeah, yeah we can make it work. I was like, cool. So, JB, in all those years, uh, um, you know, Tanner's working with me now uh, with some of these Canadian guys. And and we're in the agent business. So, over the years, you know, um, obviously, it, most brands want to be on the number one guy, which 
that's what you are. And, uh, and, you know, in my opinion, I think the greatest of all time, but through all the years, you know, we've seen you have different looks and we, we know how that works. Sponsors change from year to year budgets are this budgets are that, but have you noticed the difference over the, like, I guess we're going to get into economics here a little bit, or have you been pretty consistent on your value, like for your whole professional career since that Copenhagen deal? Well, Copenhagen was, was a extremely big sponsor and I was signed exclusive with them. Yeah. I remember. So they, that other, other than the, the, like the, the weekend, like the PBR sponsors that we had to wear on our vest, Copenhagen was the only one. And that was pretty much the last really, really big sponsorship like that. Things started changing then. And I think a lot of it had to do with a lot of guys were taking, you know, the $15,000 deals, the $10,000 deals when they were throwing them out. And, and I worked myself a lot of those deals. Well, then after Copenhagen, uh, sorry, somebody was calling me. Uh, after I worked, after Copenhagen kind of pulled out, I had to, you know, it was kind of piecing them together to try to get the same amount. Well, Copenhagen only had to keep, you know, one sponsor happy. It was easy. You know, I didn't have three or four or five different sponsors to keep happy. So once that started going on, I, I signed with, uh, you know, XD Sports and uh, Sean Weesey and Brad Benzinger. And, you know, I they they would call me. And I half the time, they don't even call me with the little deals because I, I, I was real big. Like I told them, I said, look, I know sponsorship's not quite like it used to be. But if they can't pay me, for more than what I win one weekend, I don't want them. Right. Uh, and that, that's how, I mean, regular season event, you're going to win right at 40000 35000 40000 And them guys want to hit you up and give you something to wear for 15000 all year. I'm like, look, man, I can make 35000 in one weekend. If you can't at least pay me that, take it somewhere else. I like that. That's yeah, good. The, market, the market got flooded by fucking guys just taking every goddamn deal. And you may think that it's good for yourself in that situation, but you fuck the whole game up. You fuck everybody. Oh up. yeah. It, All it that big cuts money. Everybody man. else's throat. Like, yeah. you know, I talk to a sponsor and say, look, you want me for a whole year. It's a hundred thousand. Well then the guy over here goes and they get him for 20,000 a year. Yeah. And I'm like, you just, you just cut the leg. They cut the legs right out from under you. Yeah, oh, shit. Well, that kind of gets into my next question about obviously the money and sponsorship. Different things have changed, which in all reality of it, it should fucking go up. Everything should evolve and get better as it goes. And somehow it's kind of gone ass backwards. But what about the, the locker room, the PBR itself, right from when you came on in, in the wilder days? I know now it's all athletes and, and yoga and, and uh, you know, it's in a different way than especially when you yoga. first come up. <laughs> yeah, uh, when I showed up, it was a lot more of the cowboy mentality. Uh, one thing they did have that I, I really missed was uh, back then they had free free Bud Light in the locker room. <laughs> Sponsor plug. <laughs> and, yeah, we're uh, sneaky weasel, sneaky weasel podcast. Got sneaky weasels. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, that's all good. But, but they did they did have free free beer back then, but you know. Bud Light was one of the main sponsors, and now Monster is, so it's Monster back there. But, you know, over the years, you just – well, I guess because I outrode my generation, uh, 
Well, probably you almost know, two of them now, JB. Almost yeah, two generations. That's what I was sitting there thinking the other day. We were down there, and I talked to Tater Porter, and I was like, shit. I was riding when he was still riding. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago at Ocala, we went to an open bull riding on Saturday night after the bull riding was over with. And there was two guys there, two kids, and they were like, hey, do you know this guy? And I was like, yeah, I know him real good. And he's like, yeah, that's my dad. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so- oh, man. When their kids start competing, and I'm like, oh, shit. Who was kind of running the show? Who was the, the big dogs when, when you came in on the circuit? Well, J.W. was the same old J.W. He was a bully then like he's a bully now. And <laughs> we butted heads constantly. Uh, McBride, he was, he was the one. Him and Ross, I kind of hung out around them, tried to. I never, I never let them know I was kind of paying attention to what they were doing or, you know, anything like that. But – McBride was the one that I, I I kind of really put up higher on a pedestal than anyone that was going when I showed up because back then, you know, he's changed a lot now. and But back then, you know, he went at it like however the hell he wanted to. Well, he didn't care what anybody said. He was going to do it the way he wanted to do it. And then he most of the time backed it up and beat everybody. Well, it's like you, JB. Uh, at that time, Justin could do that because he was the guy. Um, and it's no different, you know, if you were to pick a role model, I guess that's a pretty good one to, to, to choose because you've done the exact same thing and you've made your own rules. Obviously there's, there's, uh, PBR rules that you have to follow or bend, but you know, that's what you've done and you've been extremely successful at it. I appreciate it. That's what I always, everybody always asks me about the way I pick them rank bulls, things like that. And they always want to know if I'd go back and change anything. And I, I always tell them, no, I said, well, you probably could have won a few more world titles. I said, I know I could have, I said, but I went about it the way I want to do it. And I can hang my hat on that. And nobody can ever take it away from me. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had, we had stormy on a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, he told the story when you were in the locker room there at the pit and you told him straight up, no one remembers 87 point bull rides, you know? So that was oh, yeah. a life-changing event for Stormy right there for him. You know, that was a that was a win for him and and a huge monster ride. And we wouldn't have been able to talk about that probably. So that's the kind of influence you have on the locker room. Try to be English. Try to be, yeah. We're here to smoke these cigarettes with my boys and let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so – I guess that's kind of the same as, as you and, and a lot of young guys, they all, they look up to you and they want to act in a certain way where it's like, well, JB doesn't do that shit. I don't give a fuck. But guys like you, guys like McBride, you can back it up. So if you're going to talk the talk, you got to be able to walk the fucking walk. That, that, that's for sure. You know, I remember my dad being so mad at me one time before I, before I actually got Copenhagen. Uh, U.S. Army did an interview with me. And talking about sponsorships and all that jive, and I did it. And well, a couple of weeks later, they come back. Mike Lee was sponsored by him. A couple of other guys. Well, I kind of asked that guy at the event. I was like, "Hey, did y'all just decide to go with somebody else, or what's the deal?" And he looked at me. He said, "Yeah." And to be honest with you, the reason we did is we didn't want to sponsor you because of what you do after the event. And I <laughs> said, "Do what?" And he said, "Well, you party too much." 
And I said, well, that's fine. My dad chewed me a new ass. And he told me, he said, you need to get your head out of your ass. You need to quit partying. You, you got to live in the mag. I said, just watch. Just leave me alone and watch. I said, if they can't sponsor me on what I'm doing in the arena and not what I'm doing afterwards, I don't need them anyways. And it was about two months later, and I saw I signed one of the biggest biggest sponsorship agreements for Copenhagen there probably was in the PBR ever. And oh, it still is. I told my yeah, dad then, I said, see, just watch. <laughs> Let me be I remember, I don't know I, I I don't know if you recall, JB, but uh, back when you were a Copenhagen guy, I was working with Wrangler at the time, and, and you and I have been talking because you'd been up here a few times to some events and stuff. And I remember uh, Jeff and the Copenhagen guy were pretty tight. And I remember what it cost Wrangler to get one collar, one one logo on your collar, and, and we had to get permission from Copenhagen. So I remember we were talking about that value Um and you were very transparent with me. And that was, you're right. That's huge money. That's why I wanted to kind of see how things went. Uh, you know, when you got one, one company paying you that kind of, that kind of dough, I, it's I, tough to make that up. I, I loved just being, having one, you know, sponsor uh, right now, monster. It's a pretty large deal, but it wasn't like Copenhagen, you know, yeah. and it was just one. And, Shoot, the only place I ever had to sign autographs was at the after party, so it was like I was getting paid to go to the bar anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, on that note, too, you, uh, you're, you're, you're still a wild ass, but you've definitely, uh, you're definitely a little bit different than the JB of, of the early days. And who, uh, who, was, who was kind of your crew in, in those wilder days? Oh, when, we, when we showed up, it was, it was me, Brian Canner, Casey Hayes, uh, Oh, Usually in the rig, there was Ty Smith, Ned Cross. Oh yes, always. Yeah, who is who is in charge of looking after Ned after two beer? Oh geez, that Casey usually did, but Casey was so drunk, hell, he couldn't even take care of himself. <laughs> I remember we were in we were in Kearney, Nebraska one year, and most of the time Ned never bothered me. Like he would get drunk and obligerent, but he didn't screw with me, and. We were bowling or something. Casey had took my truck and camper somewhere, and we were at the bowling alley, and we'd been there for probably way too long. Yeah. And this is back when you could smoke in the bowling alleys and shit, do cool shit like that. And I'm sitting there smoking while I put my <laughs> cigarette out, and I slid that ashtray in the middle of the table, and we, Ned just pushed it back at me. He's like, don't slide that shit over here at me. He was drunk. <laughs> I said, man, I'm just putting it in the middle of the table, and I slid it back. He grabbed it and hung this ashtray at my head. Oh, yeah. When he did, I grabbed that song of gun, and I thought I was about to whip his ass there, and I was like, meet me outside. So I go outside, and I'm standing out there. I fire me up another cigarette. I am mad. <laughs> and Casey happens to pull up in my truck and camper, and he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to kill Ned. I'm going to beat the shit out of Ned right now. I was like, I, I can't take it anymore, Casey. I was like, I'm going to beat his ass right now. He's, I'm waiting on him to come out. And he's like, Jamie, don't, don't beat him up. You know he can't fight. I was like, I don't care. And he's like, man, just get in. We'll go to a different bar, drink some more. I was like, okay, let's go. Saved him. Was that the, was that the eviction party night in Curdy when you guys fucking wrecked that hotel? Were you there? Oh, gosh. Carney. Well, one year we oh, we had to get a different room because we tore the one up so bad the first night. The maids quit. Uh, the guy that owned the place was cleaning the room up. We're like, well, why are you cleaning it up? And he's like, man, the maids refused to clean this room. So 
I'm cleaning it. And I was like, man, I'm sorry. We partied a little hard. And he's like, oh, hell, I'm just happy to see people in my hotel. I was like, shit, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> what about, uh, speaking of Yoke, uh, that time in, you guys all went to Alaska. Remember the PBR had an event in Alaska? I think they fucking, I think they hauled the bulls over on like a barge or something to, to get them over there. Thomas Taylor. Yeah, they did. Crew. They went up the coast. Yeah, and there was, there was yeah. oh, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that Alaska trip by the sounds of it. All the different guys have different stories. But I like the one with, with Yote. Uh, I think it was Cantor, uh, the fire extinguisher. Can you fill us in on and that And well, it was... It was Joe, Bart Miller, me, and Kyle. Canner didn't go with us. Oh, okay. Canner wasn't there. It was it, rooming together. It was me, Bart Miller, Yoke, and Kyle Cudmore from Oklahoma. And I'll tell you, after them two weeks in Alaska, Alaska never wanted to ever have a bull ride ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and so after Casey's incident, I just I got banned from because the room was in my name. And I got banned from the Puffin Inn in Anchorage, Alaska for life. <laughs> the puff, Casey, the Puffin Inn. Get, Casey get drunk and Casey pissed the bed. And so I think I think he hadn't pissed the bed yet, but Cudmore had pissed the bed. So like me and Bart were in one bed. Cudmore's in the other. We already had to flip the mattress over because he had pissed it already. And Casey went and got drunk by himself or something or somebody and he comes back. Well, he didn't have a room key. Well, hell, we're all in there passed out. So he just kicks the damn door in. And there was a fire extinguisher right beside our room. Well, I guess he thought it was a good idea. He got it out, walked in there, and he held it about six inches away from Bart's face. And, I mean, sprayed the shit out of him. Oh, I God, wake what up. a way to wake up. <laughs> I wake up to Bart puking, Casey laughing. And there's that much of that damn gray dust shit all over everything in that room. <laughs> all over me, my hat, I mean, everything. And I was like, son of a bitch. And it wasn't long. Here come the manager. And Jebby got banned from the puffing in for life. <laughs> for life. <laughs> hey, didn't you guys have a, what was, there's, I can't even find, I tried to find it when we were going to do this interview, but there was like a, a camera crew or like a documentary that followed you guys around. You remember that? Yeah, it was called The Ride. It's yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> That's a good one. They they could they couldn't put a lot of shit on there. I, bet. Oh, that I told them it probably I told them it probably wasn't a good idea to do that, but you know. They enjoyed it. You warned yeah. them. You warned them. That's, Yo had a broke a broke neck then and so he had a neck brace on, he was driving us. And that camera guy, he's up the passenger seat of that RV and he's videoing back at us and all you hear in the background driver needs another beer and you see a beer go in front of the camera with a straw in it <laughs> couldn't drink it without a straw I was like he's like yeah that I can't put that in there either <laughs> yeah. well I got some I got some bad news for you here JB um, I don't know if you heard but one of your favorite is honky tonks in Calgary shut down now hey eh? the ranchman's I, I cried. Garlitz, Garlitz texted me and asked me if I had anything in there. I, other than I left a lot of money in there, I don't think so. <laughs> you could have bought the mechanical bull. Oh, man. What up, that was like my home away from home at Calgary. 
Well, it was those years you're up at the Stampede or up at the PBR events here at Calgary, um, you guys would stay across the street at the, at the uh, oh, what the hell is that? Carriage House. Carriage House. Yeah. And uh, the next the next day at Stampede, we always, you know, Tanner, how they, they put out the meal for you about 1130. And Flint and I would come from a production meeting, and we'd always just go roll in there and wait for JB and Cantor to come in just to hear what the stories were. You know, we're all, well, we're, we're married and older guys now, you know, we're just yeah. living through the young guys, eh? Like, we just couldn't wait to hear it every day. There's another good one. Those walls could yeah. talk. That's oh, how, oh, boy. That's how it's changed in the locker room also. I asked these guys. We were in, I think, Glendale or somewhere, Arizona. And I asked all of them. I was like, what would y'all do last night? Oh, we went and worked out. Went to bed. I was like, are you shitting me? They were like, yeah, why? I was like, do you know this is a college town? They were like, well, and I was like, man, you are depressing. Fuck. Uh, that's good. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Calgary, uh, that's where you're, you're big. Well, you've had fucking tons of big injuries, but a real big one recently with your shoulder went down, almost killed you off. Remember I did that interview and you were giving me shit because I was talking so nice about you? And you're like, oh, fuck, thanks for you're such a nice guy. I was like, fuck, I thought you died, bro. Fuck, I was trying to be nice. But is it still uh, is it still bugging you? Is that shoulder back to normal now? Or what's it feel like to you? It's as normal as it's ever going to be. Uh, I had to go back in because, you know, that was in July. I flew that Monday to Candy's. Took six and a half hours, put it back together, put a screw, 13 anchors in it. Uh, told me it would be about six, eight months before I could ride again. Well, about three and a half, four months later, I was at the finals. And, uh, so I probably went ahead and started tearing it back up then. Yeah. And 2019, about the summer, I told him, I said, man, I said, don't really hurt, but it don't feel right. So he messed with it, and he said, man, he said, I think you tore your rotator cuff again. I was like, you got to be shitting me. He said, no. And I, I kind of told him, I was like, well, I thought you put enough anchors in that son of a bitch to hold. And he said, you make it through the finals. I said, all right. So get to the finals. I end up getting wadded up on my damn shoulder at the velocity finals. Well, then the first round at Vegas, and the buck and shoot my shoulder come out. And – I was going to try to ride the next day and they had worked on it that morning. I leaned over to pick up a pair of socks in my hotel room. My shoulder fell out when I just leaned over. So he wanted, we were supposed to do the surgery right after Vegas. Uh, He wanted to send me for another MRI. When I got home, he called me after that. He said, it's going to be after Christmas for the first of the year before I can do that surgery. I said, why so long? Hell, I broke my shoulder blade. So shit. So, I, so he wanted that healed first before he before he cut on you. Yeah, he wa- he wanted that the break to heal before he would do the surgery. So I ended up doing actually doing the surgery on January the eighth of last year, the day before my birthday. And since then, it's a hundred times better than it was before that last surgery. But it's still I got it's seventy five percent motion in it like when i raise it up over my head and stuff and the strength you can tell when i go to pick something up it's not as strong as it once was but it's probably my fault i'm not real big on the rehabbing part no way yeah (laughs) but obviously i mean 
it, I mean, no, not really. I can get it up over my head where I used to. You yeah. know, before that second surgery, I couldn't. Yeah. And that messed with me a lot, really bad, because I was, I was always one that I used my free arm to pretty much do everything. And taking it away, I had to completely change my riding style. And it was, it was hell. And once I got it, after that second surgery he did, I mean, I can, I can raise it up over my head. I can make that move over my head. And it's, so it's way better than it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, obviously rode uh, last year, or was it this year? One of your bigger rides was when you ride, ride, rode riding solo, Gordon McCoy's. Obviously, arm looks great there. What do you think? I think that bull's going to be in the running. That's my pick. That's why I'm bringing it up. We have a little bet going on here. I think that's my pick for the bull of the year this year. Yeah, I know. That's what I told him the other day when they marked him 46 and 47. I said, hell, I rode him in Guthrie, and they damn marked me like 86. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Okay, what about your bullfighting gig now? You're, uh, if you follow your social media, that's your kind of your main fucking go-to right now is you got a, a bullfighting game. What's going on there? Yeah, uh, Luke Kaufman, uh, Chad Ellison, two guys I grew up with. Luke and another boy from North Carolina started the, the UBF, Ultimate Bullfights. Oh, shit. I don't know. I don't even know what it was. It was probably when I first got on tour, they were doing them over there in North Carolina because I had some half-bloods that I would buck, and I had a couple full-bloods that I'd buck. And when they'd want to get a hooking too bad and not bucking, I'd, we'd rotate them back and forth, and they'd fight them, and – they called me and uh, they were like, hey, we're thinking about starting the UVF back up. You want to partner with us? I was like, absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. And Samantha, my wife, her uncle, Quattro, he lights out fighting bulls. He's got more fighting bulls than any one human being should own in one place. So it kind of it, it worked out both ways. Uh, I had shoulder surgery, couldn't go ride. So I was hauling fighting bulls. And Looking for something to do. Yeah, and that's what – if you're ever wanting to feel that adrenaline rush from riding bulls, just haul fighting bulls for a while. Back fence. Yeah, because the damn sure keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Oh, shit. Especially with one wing and a sling. Yeah, that, that's, that's, how, that's how usually if I'm, a, if I'm able to go to the events we put on, that's how it works. Luke, he does the announcing. He's up front. He takes care of all that. Me and Chad, we're in the back pens loading, sorting. And pinning. So did you and Luke, did you guys grow up together? Or how do you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, from the early days. I've got a a picture that I think Luke might have made it. Uh, It was from about five years, six years ago. Me and him at a bar standing side by side. He was singing. And he split the screen. And the other picture is us from when we were about two years old. No, shit. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, his dad, his dad rode bareback horses. His mom ran barrels at those amateur rodeos my dad went to. So our parents were always friends. So we grew up knowing each other. Forever. Did you guys? Oh, uh, we use we use Luke up here too. He's a uh, he's another. You know, he's got dual citizenship with us yeah. in our opinion. So he's a good guy to have around. He's pretty handy at what he does. Are all the songs true? Yeah, he's real guys, good. Did you guys? Uh, do you guys live live through all those songs that he's right? If nobody's seen them, they're on YouTube. Oh man, <laughs> there's some that you can't find anywhere that are pretty good too. <laughs> uh, 
I imagine. That, you guys always all like hung around that that area, right? Bart Miller and Cantor. You guys had like a house or something that you guys all lived in. Yeah, uh, well, Bart and them, they they would come live with me. Brian, he lived up towards Jerome, but I mean, we were out there where everybody hung out. Boyce Knox, he hauled bulls for Tom Teague for a long time, and he built a bunkhouse and put a single wide in by his arena. And they had a Thursday night bull riding every Thursday night. And if we were at home, that's where we were at. And <laughs> you talk about one of the rankest open bull ridings you ever go to on a Thursday night. Yeah, I, I remember sure. Jordan Hupp came over there and stayed with somebody around drones for a couple of weeks. He entered that bull riding twice. He had bones one week, and I'm a gangster the next. <laughs> he goes, no wonder you sons of bitches ride so good. And, and look, this is what you, you know, practice 500 on. 500 at an open day. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Jordan Hupp, do you, you talk to him much anymore? There's another good guy we used to see once in a while. Yeah, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, I stay in touch. I talk to Bart. Uh, Canner, he'll call me every once in a while. He's landscaping. Is he? I, he, call, he called me a while back wanting to put a ski trip together, like all the old school guys, Willingham, everybody wants yeah, to go yeah. skiing. And they were talking about doing it this past weekend, and I told him, I was like, man, I got to go to Arcadia, and it's Jagger's birthday. So I was like, I don't believe I'm going to make that one. Oh shit! Jagger, how old's Jagger? One? He turned two. Two Saturday. Oh. Did things change when you, uh, you know, started having kids? Uh, obviously, you had your little girl earlier on, and, and now Jagger. Uh, in your life in bull riding, did it, did it change your mindset towards things having kids? It did at first. I put a lot more pressure on myself because it wasn't just me. You know, I was taken care of. Uh, whether I bucked off or not, it, you know, it, it that was always on me. And then, you know, when Bella came around, I kind of started putting a lot more pressure on myself to ride and win and make money. And I was riding like shit. And I finally realized, I was like, look, you can't, you know, you got to have the same mindset. And once you crawl off in that bucket chute, nothing else matters but riding. So as soon as I went back to doing that, that light switch flipped and I was back on yeah, and that's that was probably around that first world title, right? Twenty thirteen was your first world yep. championship. What changed, yep. do you think, to fucking just click into to place? Because you, what did you win the last like fucking six events or something? You're unstoppable. Went in the finals, wrote all your goals. What what changed in that time? Just just became something that you know that that run is unheard of and probably will never happen. I, I again. went. Uh, I I actually I won Calgary that year too. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't been on anything since the PBR took a break. That was the first time in my career I took the summer off. Uh, I broke a bunch of ribs right before the summer, was beat up pretty bad, and I, I, all them guys were wanting to go on summer run, and I told them, I said, no, I'm staying around the house. And so I stayed around the house, and I decided I had a bunch of bulls at that time, and I decided my family had a bunch of farmland and nobody was doing anything with it. Well, I decided I was going to bail all the hay on it by myself. <laughs> and I learned a lot more about hay equipment than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> I won Calgary, and when I come back off that break, I went to kicking ass. Somebody said, "Why are you riding so good?" I said, "I can buy hay, and I don't ever have to bell it ever again." <laughs> <laughs> I, I told multiple young guys, they're like, "Man, I just, you know, I'm like, go get a job." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Go work your ass off. That'll make you appreciate this riding bulls yeah. for a living." 
Yeah, you, you've it. been uh, you've been well documented on the working thing, you know, and it's not like you're you lay around the house like when you're at home, you're you know, you're feeding, you're doing whatever, keeping your place up. It's not that it's about it's about going to work for the man instead of working yeah. for yourself. And and yeah, I don't know how many interviews I've heard you in and you've you've always go back to the ball bearing place or, or what you just told us about bailing a like, you know, just makes you try a little harder. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes you appreciate that that eight seconds worth of work that you get paid thirty, forty grand for. Oh, shit! And instead of having to work from daylight till dark, and not getting paid shit. Yeah. So that yeah. finals was that was that like a, obviously a dream come true? Um, were you you always you know you talk the talk and walk the walk that you're going to be world champion? Was that just kind of a monkey off your back? Did you think for sure at one time you're going to win a world or? It, it was. Uh, I wasn't one that ever really talked about it a whole lot. But, you know, when I first got on tour, it kind of all happened pretty quick. Uh, I last read my liver when I was 18, bought my PBR permit in December of 05. And, hell, I was in my first PBR event, built for tough, and I think the end of January, 06. So everything kind of happened real fast. Well, I didn't have the time to think about it, you know. And then when I kind of – once I got on tour with them guys, I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm riding bulls with the guys I will look up to, you know, watch on TV. And it, after that first year, I kind of settled in and shit, I ended up second. I'd end up third. I'd end up second. I was always right there, but never could get over the hump. And it pissed me off because I was, I, I was like, man, I know I ride good enough to win this thing, but I just got to do it. I got to finish it. And, you know, that year, I won those last how many ever events right in a row. And then I knew I was so far behind. I knew when I got to the finals, I was going to have to ride every bull, mm-hmm. you know, to win because I, Savano don't buck off. And I just had it in my head. And, you know, once they gave me that buckle, I was like, whew, finally, you know, yeah. it's just, <laughs> yeah, no seven, shit. seven years. I ended up second, third, always right there, but never could get over it. And then finally to get over it, I was like, hell yes. Hey, you gotta watch that, that video. That that check for a million probably didn't hurt your feelings either, huh? No, I, hell, I took that somebody straight to the bank and it bounced like hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing a lot of people don't realize. It's not a, you don't get a million fucking dollars up front. You get a hundred thousand a year, right? Yeah, for so, ten years. Yeah, so we'll break that up right now. That you don't you don't just hand the bull rider a million dollars and fucking he gets to put that in his bank account. But your view, uh, that's probably a good thing they didn't just hand me a million dollars at that time. <laughs> yeah, at that time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you watch that video of of you, on, is it Wipeout, the last bull that you ride in 2013? So the big white bull is yeah. blowing out his YouTube video. He's blowing out across the middle. I'm in the stands, and we'll, we'll put this on our social media pages. I don't know if you know this either, JB, but Randy, Randy always points it out to me. I'm in the stands, me and my father-in-law, shit-faced, obviously. I wasn't even riding. I was at the touring, bro. <laughs> shit-faced, obviously. The touring, bro, that they had at the South Point, you know, at like 9 in the morning. I just got wiped out over and over by a bunch of classicals and just said, fuck it, we're just going to party in Vegas. But if you watch that video, you can see me in the crowd, like right when that bull goes to whirling, and I'm just hooping and hollering and partying right in the back. We'll have to put that on the <laughs> right, I've never noticed that. Yeah, I know. Lots of people don't know when you look at it. It's like, holy fuck. It's pretty good. I got a better whooping up story. Mandalay Bay was our host hotel. Um, and we used to get on the bus. This is the kind of guy JB is. Like, 
you know, everybody thinks JB Mooney, he's not approachable. He's, he's, he's the two time champ, you know, setting all these records, wrote all these bulls, but you're no different a guy than the first time I met you in Calgary 15 years ago as you are today. But uh, we're waiting for the bus. We're waiting for the bus. Here's that phone again. Tim. Fucking phone every time. Only for the bus. We're waiting for the bus underneath at the Mandalay Bay. And it's for TV. I think it was an 1145 start or 11. And don't quote me, but I think it's the year that, that uh, low stroke beat you. You ended up second. Possibly. Yeah. I'm sure it was because I know you were, you were content, contending for a title that morning. So, we got Twyla and I and our crew of Canadians that go down every year. We're loading up on the bus, and you guys should have been there by then. You should have been. And I look over, and actually, it was somebody with me. He's like, is that JB? He's over having a Michelob and a Marlboro over at the Smoking Stein waiting. And he gets on the bus with us and goes to the, goes to the Thomas and Mac. And I'm like, that's, that's the guy right there. That's JB Mooney. That's it's just how he rolls. That's about how I went about my whole career. As long as I don't put a whole lot of thought in it, I usually rap pretty good. So <laughs> yeah. you, you don't you don't ever change no matter what. And if I want to sit there and have a beer before I go, that's what I do. Get your mind or get your mixture right, Stormy said. Well, that and, and we know Michelob lights, they're pretty they're light. That's a breakfast beer anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in Canada, we give that to our infants. They drink yeah. Michelob ulcers <laughs> that, up that's here. What, that first year me and Canner came to the Canadian finals up there, I was like, Man, this is awesome. He's like, what? I was like, we can actually use our IDs to get in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. What about uh, one that always stands out for me? Uh, well, for a few different reasons that we'll get into, but Sioux Falls, uh, the total highest of highs and the lowest of lows with Pearl Harbor. That day you rode Pearl Harbor, you were 95. I don't know what you were, a whole shit pile of points. One of the best rides there's ever been. Um, and your hand was all numb. Walk us through that one. Oh, I, I've had a bad elbow for a long time, and I, I get, I get pretty bad. Like I hate wearing braces. Like I can't stand it. And so I, I get to where I think it feels pretty good, and I quit wearing that damn elbow brace. Well, then one will snatch on me pretty damn hard, and my arm locks up, goes numb and shit for, you know, a few days. And so that bull I had, he. Snatched me in a bucket shoe pretty hard, and then I had Pearl Harbor, and I just added a lot more rosin on that son of a gun, and you know it was it was pretty good because old Jeremy Walker, he's a shit talking son of a gun. So anytime I draw one of his, I try a little extra harder, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, riding him, everybody thought he was going to be like the next bushwhacker, unrideable, things like that. And that was that was one of the high. That was one of the I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof after that one. And yeah. a year later, the son of a bitch breaks my back, same place. That's what I was going to say. Fast forward a year later. Yeah. Same place, same bull, same whatever situation, and uh, breaks your back. And I always tell this story because we were obviously having a good time that weekend. And I said it was all fucking fun and games until JB broke his back. <laughs> yeah. That's what somebody said. Somebody said, Did you know your back was broke? I said, Yeah, I knew. As soon as I walked out of the arena, Tanny's like, you all right? I was like, no, my fucking back's broke. <laughs> and he's like, how you know? I said, because I was laying on the back of my head looking at my own nuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not supposed shit. to end that way. Hey, what about Sioux Falls? Uh, this is another good one. I was talking to a few different guys, trying to figure out some funny stories about you. Uh, 
What about Sioux Falls as well when you bit Proctor on the cheek? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're good now. Uh, you know, he, he was married to my half-sister, and there's a bunch of family bullshit, and we got into it right outside the host hotels, and I may or may not have been drinking a little bit. And <laughs> we kind of tied into one another, and I flipped him over, busted his head on the concrete, and while we were down, I may or may not have got him a puss. And <laughs> he said something back. I can't remember what he said to me, but it pissed me off really bad, and I bit him on the face. <laughs> It was all funny games till somebody gets bit. In the yeah, face, yeah. 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 I remember uh, Shorty was there, and Shorty was, like, being the ref, and he had his shoes off for some reason, and all the fucking fans were out there. And, oh, you know. yeah, the Brazilians, <laughs> the Brazilians called me Pitbull for a long time after that. Well, and then wasn't there an incident with Frank? Was that later? Well, that, that, was, that, that was over uh, the ex-wife. Right. See, notice how this is always and, over women. All yeah, these arguments yeah. are over girls, huh? Yeah, that that one made me a lot more nervous than the first one. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He cornered me up, and I was like, "I'm gonna die." <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Put the real fear in you. Um, yeah. What about uh, you? Always, we talked about it. But you always probably cost you a lot of money. You said but you always picked the rankest bull in the pen. Always, no matter what. I remember at the finals, you rode Bruiser. You won the round. You had first pick. The next day was the hard pen or the rank pen. Anybody else would have walked up and picked something. Maybe they could be 85 to 90 on. No, you picked airtime. And I remember it just blowing my mind. I obviously didn't have that same mindset as you. I wasn't near the level that you were at riding. But I remember sitting like, what the fuck? Did he first pick? He just picked airtime? Right? Everybody else is like, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Exactly. The guys, the guys yeah. from the guys from the buck off times from thirty to thirty five are just like thanks, JB. Yeah, but you had, like you always did that. Yeah, it was. I don't know why I had the mindset that anytime I got the jam when they started that draft, I I was like, yeah, I love it. Pick your own poison. I said that, that way you show your stuff. And I remember that night at Vegas, I asked Lambert. I said. What do you think? Or, you know, I didn't ask him. He come up to me and he said, hey, I, ought to th- I, I think you ought to pick this one. I said, well, I really don't give a fuck what you think. And I turned around and was like, airtime. And he was just shook his head. He was madder than hell because he was trying to give me his opinion on what I should pick and everything. I was like, I don't give a fuck what you think. Airtime. <laughs> he, he just you got any, never. You got any, you got any good cleat stories? Stormy had a pretty good one for us there a couple weeks yeah, ago. About, Did you guys about to whoop his ass. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys ever get into it, you and Cleet? We, we've exchanged words, not too much. Uh, he really don't screw with me a whole lot, you know. Uh, but they, they, from the time I come around, you know, they realized that I wasn't going to take their shit very – I mean, they realized yeah. that pretty quick. Like, so they just backed off, you know. And, and that's what I told a lot of them guys. I'm like, look, when they bully you like that, if you stand up to them, they'll quit doing that shit. I said, right. I did it. They don't screw with me that much. So, you know, I just fired right back to them. Different generation. Okay, well, talk, speaking about picking bulls, um, let's get into the bushwhacker. How many times? How many times? Like, All together, I ended up attempting to ride him 13 times. Oh, fuck. And well, that was weird. I, I never knew all those years I, I – Every time I picked him and everything, I didn't know until they inducted him into that the ring honor yeah. bull deal. 
that his brand was honor. 13. No shit. Hey, his brand honor, yeah. yeah. His brand was 13. Uh. And a lot of times I picked him in the draft situation. And then a couple times, like in Louisiana, they had a bull riding, uh, whatever they call it now, velocity challenge or whatever it was in. And long round, short round each night, high man got the opportunity to get on Bushwhacker for a $5,000 bonus. Well, guess who was the damn high man both nights? <laughs> Such a great opportunity, right? This is, they, Yo, PBR, does that. Five grand. PBR does that every time. You're going to get the opportunity as the best. You get to fucking get your ass killed off for the fans. <laughs> yeah, that, that he jerked me down like the second jump the first day, smoked me in the chin, split my chin wide open. <laughs> the next day, I'm the high man. The last kid out could have beat me. He falls off. And they're like, Jamie, I was like, I know, run the son of a bitch in there. <laughs> and I wrote him like seven and a half seconds that night. I was so freaking mad. Is that where the lights went out? Nope. No, that was in Decatur. And that was another deal. Like, <laughs> Ben had won the long round. I won second. Ben had got hurt. Jones. Yeah. So I'm first pick. They had all the bulls up in a cup or whatever in a hat. I go up there and I dig around to that son of a bitch and I pull that chip out and I'm like, you got to be shitting me. And they're like, what? And I turned it around. They all start laughing. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> they have 15 bulls in there and that's what I pick. And yeah. And the lights, did the lights go out? Was that Decatur? That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I, I, I was the last guy out. So they're jamming this thing out and I took my wrap. My, Usually call for him sitting back there by the flank. And when I took my wrap, I nodded. When I hit my rope, he left out of there in that first jump. Breaker flipped, and it was completely dark. And I was, first thought that run through my head was, hell, I can't ride him in a lit-up arena. Now I'm tied to some bitch in the dark. It didn't go good? No. Didn't help. No, hell, that some bitch took him another long jump, and when the lights came back on, I was about half knocked out in the middle of this arena. <laughs> Did you ever hear after Tulsa? You wrote him in Tulsa. Um, uh, I wrote him in Tulsa, and I got on him the very next weekend. Oh no shit! And he got yeah, you. Yeah, he bugged me off. <laughs> was that pretty well, special in Tulsa with with Kent Cox and all that? That was that was at that time. That obviously had to be such a huge accomplishment. Oh, yeah, you know, that's what Kent, he said, gosh dang, JB, he said, there's only so much, so many chances I can give you before you're going to ride this son of a gun. I said, well, we're going to try. And I kept picking him, and and everybody knew that night. They were like, what are you going to pick? And I just looked at him, they're like, yep. I said, the big Red Bull. And I walked over there and picked him, and when I rode him, you know, Kent was the first one to jump the buck and shoot. And that was pretty cool. Like, we, we'd always joke about the cater. He said, remember when he, remember when he kicked the lights out? Yeah. yeah, no shit. Well, you know, uh, 691 rides in PBR competition. This, just thinking about that for our viewers and our audience, like that's incredible, JB. Um, would, would, would Bushwhacker be the number one if you had to pick one? I know that might be a tough question, but. It, it is. Uh, and the only reason, like, those rides on, you know, Pearl Harbor, uh, Bruiser, they stick out also, but the way I had to do it with Bushwhacker makes it my all-time favorite ride because I, I, I just I wouldn't give up. I kept picking him every time, and I was like, I'm gonna this some bitch is gonna get old and cripple, and I'm gonna ride him, or we're gonna figure this out. 
Well, you know, if you you talk about rivalries between the riders, you know, you and Silvano over the years or, or Lostro or whatever, but that's that's a true rivalry, you and Bushwhacker, yeah. you know, and you don't ever, I, you know, PBR doesn't build those rivalries because the chances of that happening are so slim because you're probably the only guy I know, JB, that's going to go up and pick that bull every time. Like, yeah. you know, that, and that's probably some of the reason why these rules are the way they are and the point systems are the way they are. You know, the guys that know the inside on on all the stuff that's went down over the years on, on the point system changes. But um, it's remarkable, man. And I think that, you know, and again, you've been so well documented in saying it. Nobody f- remembers the guys that are 87. Like, 97 90 point rides like that's that's it's ridiculous it really is when you think about it at the highest level of competition it's it's a remarkable feat and i know you've got probably a couple other goals in your mind to uh win a couple more one more event ties you is that right we discussed that a tanner one one more one more event win bumps made uh all-time yeah, you're tied right now with McBride, right? Okay. Tied with McBride yeah. for the most wins in PBR history. So you got to get that done for all the boys in the locker room right now. Go ahead and win yeah, that. Yeah, I got, I got to. Yeah, that's good. So um, another goal, obviously, that we've been hearing about a little bit uh, in the media and through social media and stuff is that you're going to try to make a run uh, at the NFR. Yeah. Uh, last year, you know, I set out. Well, that was nine months I had to set out. You know, because I was after the Vegas, I had to wait till the first of the year in January to have shoulder surgery. And then I was out six, six more months. So it's almost nine months that I hadn't been on a bull. And that was, that was the longest in my bull riding career I'd ever not been on a bull. And I come back the first couple of events, I was riding like shit. And I, I told Samantha, I said, I think I'm going to buy my PRCA stuff back. It'd been 11 years since I'd had a PRCA card. And uh, she said, why? I said, because I need to get on a lot of bulls, but I'm to the point where I don't need to go get on just a bunch of practice bulls. If I'm going to get on bulls, I need to get paid for it right now. And that's, you know, and then by the first two events, I rode like a fat ass and Lambert calls me. Mm-hmm. He had heard I'd bought my PRCA stuff back. And he said, man, I, I think next year you should just go rodeo. I said, what? He goes, yeah, I think, I think you ought to just, just stick to it. I said, why? He said, uh, I hate seeing you struggle, JB. Oh, and I said, gosh, damn, dude. I said, I've been set out nine months, the longest in my entire career. And you watch two bull ridings. And I was like, all right. I was thinking in my head, I said, watch this, you bastard. <laughs> and I pretty much made the finals in seven bull ridings. So I was like, kiss my ass i am going rodeo on too though you know i i just i like rodeo and i like you know i feel like the more i get on i know i'm getting to the age where now i can't you know i'm past my prime way past my prime but the only way i feel like i ride good is when i get on a lot of bulls and so i figured go rodeo you know if i need to get on a lot of bulls make money doing it yeah, yeah. yeah. They can they can be the practice bulls yeah. and get paid for it. Yeah, I used to get on you know eight ten of them a day at home like it wasn't nothing, but I was about twenty one then too. 
Yeah, oh shit, these chains are getting a little older. Huh? <laughs> Jamie, uh, this this might be a tough question to answer, but how many bulls do you think you've tied your hand to in your lifetime? I have no earthly oh, idea. Fuck yeah. Uh, I started getting on bulls when I was 13 years old, so 21 years, and I was real bad during the week. When I went home, if I wasn't riding good, there's eight, ten of them I'd run in. Every day I was at home, I'd go to open bull ridings, jackpots. Uh, there's no telling how many bulls I've been on since I was 13 years old, but it's a lot. Wow. I know that. The body knows <laughs> it's a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. What is the body like other than the shoulder, uh, considering every all those bulls that you've been on, the, the miles and the – and the years, how uh, everybody wants to always talk about your retirement, and that's just because you're in the fucking limelight all the time. So, obviously, you're going to be the talk of the town, right? Nobody really cares about anybody that's half fast when they're going to retire, but you're, you're a step above everybody else and always have been, so then you're going to be the center of attention and everybody wants to talk about it. You obviously get pissed off at it, and it works for you, just like when Lambert, you said, phoned you to say yeah. go rodeo, it, it, it was probably a, a ploy to fucking piss you off knowing that it would make you come back stronger. And that's why you're still kicking ass, proving everybody wrong. But but uh, how long do you think you got? Uh, no, I don't know. That's what I, you know, I tell everybody because like right now, past couple of weeks, I can't, I, I can't keep my hand in my bull rope and I let them look at my shoulder, my left shoulder. The, the good one. The better. The better <laughs> shoulder. Yeah. And <laughs> – Rich, he's like, man, I'm not so sure you didn't break your scapula. I was like, are you shitting me? He's like, I, I, he said, I don't know. He said, the only way to tell is to get x-rays. And Tandy told me, he said, there's nothing they can do for it. And so I was like, no point in getting x-rays in. If I can't right. handle it, I'll go the hell home. But uh, I don't know. So, I mean, you know, it takes a little bit longer to bounce back from getting drilled on your head every week than it used to but for my age and what i've been through i feel like i'm i'm still holding together pretty good i remember last weekend they were working on me rich was and mason taylor walked in there and he's like gosh dang are you still in here i need to get worked on i said how old are you (laughs) 21 i said you shouldn't even be in here you shut the fuck up (laughs) and he goes have you ever had any hip problems? And Rich just looked at him and was like, oh, man, everything on this guy's fucked up. And we never <laughs> knew about it for the first 10 years of his career because he would never say anything. I'm going to make a motion. At, I'm going to get Yates to bring it up in the competition department to make a motion that it's renamed once you retire to the J.B. Mooney Sport Medicine Room. <laughs> yeah. That's why I told him, I said, Mason said, when did you start going into sports medicine? I said, when I hit about 30. Yeah, oh, shit. Oh, that's good. So, uh, how about this? You make a deal with us when you when you do call a retirement. We're, we'll break it on here. Give it to us first. All right, that'll work. I'll do it. <laughs> I know you got lots left to do because you need to win at least. We were talking that if you were going to win one more event in our intros, uh, and I said, yeah, one or seven or fucking. Now thinking about it, I know the way that you are probably ten, and you got to break that because you are kind of the last standing guy that really really is about the bull riders and standing in the game for the riders. Uh, what the PBR was originally made for is making, you know, less bulls, more money, kicking ass and riding the best bulls in the world. And that's what you've always done. So you got to do it. You got to do it for the, for the crowd, for the crew. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll try not to keep you too much longer. We'll, we'll start, uh, wrapping it up here as we go. Um, 
one thing we ask everybody that comes on our podcast. Uh, obviously, it's the NFP podcast. We all know the, the essence of what the, what the hashtag means. But, JB, what does hashtag NFP mean to you? That's the way I've lived my whole life. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, you know, know. That, that's pretty much sums up my whole life right there and how I went about everything in life was those three letters. JB, I'm not going to lie. Um, I forget. I, I'd have to go back. I know exactly what event it was I was at when I thought I needed to, you know, I, I invented this NFP and you definitely were on my mind the day I did it. There's no question. I was wishing there was more guys like you back then. So uh, that's, it goes, we go back a long way and, and I truly mean that, man. It's been a pleasure being around you. And I think, and Tanner can attest to this, like, you know, we can pick right up where we left off. You know, I could always send oh, yeah. you a text and are you, can you come to this event? And you're just, I'd like to, but I'm not coming, you know, I, I'm, I can't be there. I'm not coming to Calgary this year. I think the last time I wanted to come up was maybe Cologne or something. And you're like, them sons of bitches didn't even invite me to Calgary. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to see you in Kelowna then. He goes, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, Calgary, that's always one of my favorite ones. I, I like it. That's that's my vacation every year, what I would always tell everybody. Yeah, no shit. Hey, I got one for you, though, the NFP. The one time that you, you were being an FP was when uh, – <laughs> you remember, you remember, you remember uh, the World Finals? You're about to win the fucking world, uh, and there, we're in the Thomas and Mac in the locker room, and it just kind of came out of my mouth. I didn't even think about what I was saying, but – you came in the room and they were fucking going to bring you down from the rafters. Do you remember that? They were oh, God. They were going to bring you down from the roof. And JB comes in the room and he's like, fuck, he was fucking scared. Like, obviously, like, as I would be too scared, I'd fuck that. And he's just like, this is bullshit. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking. And I was like, whoa, dude, really? Yeah, like, it is fucking scary, man. You don't want to be like, like fucking Brett the Hitman Hart, you know? <laughs> you remember that, JB? Yes, I remember that. Here, I'm nervous as a son of a bitch. It's rattling back and forth. I'm sweating my ass off, and I just pull out a cigarette out of my vest pocket, light that something up. That guy's like, you can't smoke up here. I said, you're not going down that damn thing either. I said, shut up. <laughs> you can't smoke up here. I was like, oh, yes, I can. <laughs> that was, uh, in my whole bull riding career, that was the most nervous and terrified I've ever been. <laughs> wow. Who'd have guessed that? Who'd have guessed that? I was never scared of heights before then. And now I'm like, hell with that shit. You know, doing that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't jinx you and you were able to 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 land it <laughs> not fall. Yeah, from I know they dropped that bar on my head too. Yeah. Uh, that's good. All right, cool, man. Well, we appreciate uh, we appreciate your time sitting down with us. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Yeah, some more wins. Games. Couple more wins, buddy. Couple That's more wins. We're going to. We'll finish it out right. Finish it up good. Okay, well, we'll be watching you this weekend in Okeechobee, Florida, and uh, hope you got a bunch more years in us because us, as well as everybody that's listening and watches along, is, is you're a fan favorite and you stand up for what you believe in. You do what's fucking right every time that you, you, you will show up anywhere. So we appreciate you having you on this podcast. Appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. Sounds good, brother. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Bart. See y'all. Appreciate it, pal. In the USA.